give him praise in this house this morning as you see him. Thank you, praise team. What a sweet, sweet spirit in this house this morning. Glory to God. What a presence. What a wonderful, 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 wonderful presence of God. How beautiful, how loving, merciful, and patient, glorious he is. So thankful that you have brought your beautiful, smiling faces to New Life Worship Center this morning. I trust and I pray that God is just embracing your life. Because you're the love of his life. In a wonderful and an awesome and a beautiful way. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to... uh, Well, I'm going to be taking several verses from John chapter 11 this morning. From John chapter 11. Anyways, I'm going to be taking several, from verse 1 through verse 44, several different, and to uh, just save the time of reading that uh, 44 verses there, just kind of catch you up to date. Uh, Jesus was away, and uh, his friends that he loved, that lived, uh, away from where he was at at the time, uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus got sick. Mary and Martha sends a message to where Jesus is at. The one that you love or your dear friend uh, is sick. And uh, anyways, when Jesus got the message, he stayed where he was at for a few more days. Uh, his disciples asked, you know, about this. And Jesus was telling them, you know, Lazarus sleeping, but we're going to go wake him up. Well, if he's sleeping, he's okay. He'll eventually wake up. Rest will be good for him. And Jesus simply says he's dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Uh, don't you hate it when God says that to you? <clears throat> for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. It's these times, it's those times that we grow in. It's those times that we mature in. Uh, I'll tell you what, the valley has been more beneficial for my life. Than the mountaintops. The times that I thought God wasn't there. Have been more maturing for my life. When the times that I knew he was there. But anyways, Jesus finally returns, Martha meets him, and then Mary meets him, and uh, they basically say, you know, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Uh, He that believeth in me, though he was dead, shall live. Never die, do you believe this? And then Mary comes out, and there's a group of mourners around them, and, you know, oh, how he loved him. Couldn't he have healed him? And then they make their way to the grave. It talks about Jesus feeling their pain and even weeping, <clears throat> being troubled in his spirit. Uh, they get to the grave. They roll the stone away. He calls Lazarus forth. Uh, so we're going to get into some of this this morning. But I encourage you, uh, take some time this week in your Bible study and get into the 11th chapter of John and read it. Uh, and just uh, let the Holy Spirit just bring out some teaching and some revelation, some rhema words, some logos word to just pour into your life and um, to profit it. 
and to uh, help mature it and advance it along. Uh, but we're going to get into uh, some stuff this morning. Uh, and I basically want to speak to you on the topic of for the glory of God. For the glory of God. And that seems to be something that kind of gets lost in most or in a lot of people's lives. I won't say most, but in a lot of people's lives, that five words in the scripture kind of gets lost many times. For the glory of God. A lot of times we want to make it about ourselves. I'm guilty. But for the glory of God. So the first scriptures that I want to bring out there in chapter 11 of the gospel of John is 3 through 6. Verses 3 through 6 reads like this. And I'm going to be taking these scriptures this morning out of the New Living Translation. I think you can follow me on the screen. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend or the one you love is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. You see, God doesn't always respond to our request or our messages like we think that he should. Does that shock anybody? I know that's not always easy, but, you know, a lot of times we have our dreams. And those dreams are God-given. I believe that with all my heart. But we kind of get within ourselves a way that we're going to make those dreams happen. And we put our plan into action. We put our plan into motion. We lay our plan out. And when God begins to deviate off from the plans that we have laid out for the dream that he has given us, our response is, if you would have been here. If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And a lot of times when that happens, we can have the tendency to give up on a dream, to give up on what we were expecting or believing to happen. And like I've already pointed out, those five words in the text that gets lost a lot of times in the lives of many people is for the glory of God. Paul said, it's Christ that lives. It's going to be hard for you to live and for Christ to live. We're going to have to come to the place where we lose our lives. We understand that our lives are now about the glory of God. Not our glory, not the church's glory, not our family's glory, not the world's glory, but the glory of God. It's for his glory. It's for the advancement of his kingdom. 
through the ministry of Jesus Christ. And something that really stands out in these verses of Scripture is love. Love. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And some translations translate your dear friend as the one you loved. Or the one you love. And see, the moment we try to judge the reign of God with our human understanding of love, we're in for a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. Because most of us have one definition of love and it really doesn't line up fully with God's definition of love. The promise that we must hold on to in life is this, it will not end in death. It will not end in death. It will not end in death. Your dream will not end in death. Your vision will not end in death. The words that God has spoken over you will not end in death. Your marriage will not end in death. The life of your children will not end in death. Your finances will not end in death. Your life will not end in death. It will not end in death. And that's what we must embrace. What God is trying to teach you, what God is trying to show you, the good work that he has begun in you will not end in death. And that is what we must embrace, that no matter what happens, that no matter what comes our way, that no matter how long it takes, we must come to the understanding as God's children, as his sons and as his daughters, that there is a promise, it will not end in death. I totally understand that God is love, and he loves with his entire self. God only has one way to love, and I I know that this is a repeat uh, of me saying this. I know that I have brought this out in numerous of, of sermons, but I just, for those that maybe have not heard it or just to replant, just to encourage you, I've made the statement more than once that God loves you just the way you are, but he absolutely loves you too much to leave you there. Drew, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You'll never do anything. You'll never say anything. You'll never think anything that'll change God's love for you, nor anybody else in this place. God absolutely is love, and God absolutely loves you. But because he loves you, he loves us too much to leave us where he finds us. I've also said that God will never love you more than he does right now. He absolutely loves you. You know, you can try to work for more of his love, but you're not going to get any more of his love because you've already got all of his love. When you go to your prayer closet and you spend your time with God and you pray uh, one second or you pray eight hours, you're not going to get any more of God's love because he already loves you. If you go to the word of God and you read one verse of scripture, Jesus wept. Or you read the entire chapter or the entire book. It's not going to make God love you any more than he loves you right now. You can take your checkbook and you can empty your bank account. And you can set it here on this altar. Or you can just give a dollar. 
God is going to love you. Or maybe you didn't even have a dollar. Maybe you had nothing to give today. I want to tell you, God loves you as much as he loves the one that put the biggest and the largest check on this altar this morning. Because God is love. God is love. God is love. God loves you just as much as he loves me. And God loves me just as much as he loves you. He is love. He is love. He is love. Now the devil will try to deceive you and lie to you and make you think that God doesn't love you as much as he loves somebody else. He will try to make you think that God is disappointed in you because of the way you've acted, the way you've talked, or what you thought, or the way that you've lived your life, and that he doesn't love you anymore. That is a lie, that is a lie, that is a lie. Because God is love and he just automatically... The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have eternal life. He said while we were still sinners, while you were trash, while you were in the sin, while you were lost, while you were unworthy, while you were condemned, while you were judged by the law, God still loved you and gave his son for you. If he loved you in that kind of condition, you'll never be worse than that. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. His love is not conditional upon you. What we do with God's love is a total different story. What we do with God's love is a total different story. But right now, I'm not talking about our love for God. I'm talking about God's love for us. In looking into the text this morning, I believe that we can see something very interesting concerning the love of God. And that is that God's love is bigger and stronger than life itself. God's love is bigger and stronger than life itself. It's, it's, that is about as clear as you can get of a true statement concerning the scripture there. It's bigger and stronger than life is. God's love was bigger and stronger than Lazarus' very life. You see, a life of sight without faith. A life of sight without faith will never see the fullness of God's love. In verses 3 through 6, we see that there is without doubt love from God for these three people. But there is an emotional side of love that deals with feelings. But then there is a purposeful side of God's love that overcomes the powers of the feelings or the emotional side because this purposeful side is dealing with destiny and not feelings has God ever hurt your feelings he, he he's hurt my feelings before but his love is stronger and bigger than life he doesn't mind hurting my emotions my feelings when he's dealing with my destiny and I'm so glad that he does. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm glad I'm not God and I'm glad you're not God. Because you can't see beyond the present. And most of us can't remember the past. 
If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She told me last night before I went to bed, she's got a roast and carrot and potatoes and onions. And she, she had it all mixed up, had it all ready. All I had to do was put it in the oven, turn the oven on, set it on 350. I wake up this morning, get ready. Before I walk out of the bedroom, she's still in bed. I'm up before, I don't know, about 7 o'clock, I guess it was. And I'm fixing to walk out of the bedroom to come to the church. And she says, don't forget to put the roast in the oven, set it on 350. Okay, baby, I won't. I love you. I'm going to church. Shut the door, walk in there, uh, get a drink get my stuff together, walk out the door, get down here, open my iPad up, and a reminder goes off, turn the oven on, put the roast in. I call her, I said, I forgot it was past. So, so most of us don't remember the past. We can't see past the present. So I'm glad that we're not God. <coughs> God sees the future. I want to tell you what, he says it looks good for us. He says it looks great for us. He says there's a lot of hope that we can have in it. It's blessed. It's blessed. It's blessed. It's blessed. Don't judge your present. Don't judge your present according to what God has for you. Don't let your present manipulate and dictate your future. Because God has your future. So, there's a purposeful side of love dealing with our destiny and not our feelings. The purposeful love will allow what you're emotional connected to His purposeful love will allow, it will allow what you are emotionally connected to. Martha and Mary were emotionally connected to Lazarus. Lazarus was emotionally connected to this life. But God will allow what you're you're emotionally connected to to die so that you can connect with destiny. Emotional love values reaction time. If my wife tells me she loves me, there's a small window there for me to tell her I love her back. Yeah, very small. Because if I don't respond, she's going to, he didn't tell me he loved me. Does he not love me anymore? So emotional love values reaction time, but Purposeful love values eternity. Eternity. You see, the emotional side of God's love will make your heart skip a beat, while his purposeful love will transform it. God's love is trying to do something in our lives. In John chapter 11, John chapter 11, verses 21, 27, and 32. John chapter 11, verses 21, 27, and 32. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here my brother would not have died when mary arrived and saw jesus she fell at his feet and said lord if only you had been here my brother would not have died deja vu 
And then the people, but some said, this man healed a blind man, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? God's friends are emotionally and mentally exhausted with what he should have, could have, or would have done. Do you see that? They're just emotionally exhausted of what he should have, could have, or would have done, that they aren't spiritually ready for what he's going to do. They are not spiritually ready for what he's going to do. You see, our focus and energies must shift from what we think or what we thought God was going to do to what he is doing. Our energies and our focus need to shift from what we thought God was going to do to what he is doing. Because if not, we very well could miss what he's wanting to do at this very moment. You see, we... we, If we're not careful, we will exhaust ourselves with ideas, opinions, and philosophies when we should be being swept away with God's truth that he's speaking around. He looked at Martha and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. (coughs) Do you believe this? Oh, I know my brother's going to resurrect at the last day. Then He said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. But she had so mentally exhausted herself on what Jesus could have done. On what he should have done. On what would have happened. That she was missing what he was ready to do at that moment. Mm. She could have been swept away into a place of rest with the truth of his word at that very moment. But yet she still stayed in a, in a, in a place of worry. There was a group of women, you can read about it in Mark, that got up to go to the tomb of Jesus on that third day. And they were perplexed. They were worried. They were frustrated. They were confused. They had totally wasted the whole night in preparing spices to go into anointing and and materials to, to, to spend on the body of Jesus, which wasn't going to be there when they got there. And the angel said, remember what he said? Remember what he said? They, could, they missed a season of being swept away in the truth of God because they were looking at what could have happened, should have happened, would have happened. If only, oh God, if only. And when the angel spoke to them, the Bible says that they remembered. We must remember truth that God is speaking to us so that we can just be swept away in this place of rest. 
Verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Verse 41, so they rolled the stone aside. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, and the dead man came out. Now watch again very carefully. Verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Verse 41, so they rolled the stone aside. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, and the dead man came out. Our obedience to the instruction of the word creates the opening for the miracle of the word. Our obedience to the instruction of the word creates the opening for the miracle of the word in our lives. We must do the word. Mary, the mother of Jesus, whatever he says, just do it. Do the word. Do the word. James tells us that we need to be doers of the word. We need to be obedient. As I brought out, we need to be, a couple of weeks ago, we need to be submissive to God. That will allow the miracles of the word to work and to operate to the fullness in our lives. John 11, verse 39 and 40. John 11, verse 39 and 40. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Let's read that one more time. I want you to get that in your spirit. Verses 39 and 40. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible, Jesus responded. Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? You see, before the obedience, there was a protest. Lord, I believe that you can raise the dead but you won't be able to deal with the smell. Think about that. I believe you can raise this dead man, but you're not going to be able to deal with the smell. You know, there's so many things. We believe that God can do these great things, this wonderful thing, and he's going to do this and do this. And then when it gets down to some of these things like dealing with the smell of a dead man, Lord, I don't think you can deal with that. Wait a minute. I mean, that's how silly some of our protests to God can be. I just wonder, have you ever thought, how many miracles have we missed because we've been protesting? Oh, 
can't be a God. That's not a God. Oh, that's way. That's way too long. Ain't no church where should go that long. Or, you know, with, with our finances. God's wanting to do the miracles. And he reminded Mary. He said, didn't I tell you? And there it goes back. Hasn't he told us? That was the words of Jesus. Didn't I tell you? When God brings you to a place of purpose, it's a good thing to remember what he told you. When God brings you to a place of purpose, it's a good thing to remember what he told you. When God brings you to a place of purpose, it's a good thing to remember what he told you. Not what you're thinking, not what somebody else is trying to plant or put in your life, but what God told you. It's a good thing to remember, Danny and Sherry, what God told you right here. There was pews at that time and the carpet was a different color. You had more hair and less gray at that time. And so did I. But it's a good thing to remember what he said, didn't I tell you? God's not going to bring you to some place that he hasn't already given his word over your life. When God brings you to the place of purpose, you're going to have the word. But it's up to you to remember what he said. Don't let the circumstance change the word that has been spoken over your life. Don't let the situation. I understand I might be preaching myself in a hole as a pastor this morning, but it's truth. It's truth. And I want God's will done. I don't want to see something continue to lie in there that's dead, that God's ready to bring to life. God's got a purpose for that thing. And if he's given a word over it, then amen. We need to stop protesting against it. Let God be God and trust God that he's in charge of his church and he's building his church and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somebody give him praise in this house. Let's go back to something. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Look at that real carefully. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. You have received the benefit of God's love for his Son. My, my, my. It's the Jesus in your life that the glory of God is blessing. We just need to factor our literal selves right out of the way because when the sun shines, we win. Let me close 
paralleling Lazarus with our lives in these verses of Scripture found in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Verses 9 through 11. John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest, wow, I just caught that right there. Then the leading priest, the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. I want to I leave you with three nuggets of truth for your life. Three nuggets of truth for your life. When the word of God raises you up, it will bring you into contact with people who would have never sought you out before. When the word of God raises you up, it will bring you into contact with people that would have never sought you out before. Two, it will target you as an enemy of the religious crowd, which will seek for your demise. It will target you as an enemy of the religious crowd, which will seek your demise. And the third nugget of truth, the glorious manifestation of God's destiny on your life will lead many to believe in Jesus Christ. The glorious manifestation of God's destiny on your life will lead many to believe in Jesus. Give him praise in this house this morning. Stand with me all across this building as we go to God in prayer. If it's appropriate and you don't mind, take the hand of the person next to you. let God lead you in praying this morning for that one that you might be holding hand to. And let's just come into agreement today that God's just going to perfect, bless this word in our lives and produce much fruit from it. Father, we come together before you today in concert prayer. Father, ignite a fire in us to pray for the ones that we have joined hands with. Ignite a fire in me, God, to pray over this congregation of sheep this morning that you have blessed under the roof of this house. God, I thank you for your words of truth and your words of life. They are a light and they are a lamp to our feet and to our path. They are life healing and health to all of our flesh. And Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal, continue to perfect, continue to water, continue to mature this word in our lives. I pray, God, what we have missed, that you bring it unto our remembrance, and God, that you take us in our Bible study this week 
And Lord, take us to a deeper depth in it. I'm praying, God, not for a 30 and not for a 60. I'm praying for a hundredfold harvest of fruit production from this word in our lives today. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, this word not leave us, not depart from us, but that God begin to produce and it begin to produce immediately. That, Lord, that we trust you with it, that our faith be God in you. And that, Lord Jesus, we know that you will fulfill, Lord, the purpose of this word that you sent it to fulfill. I pray, O oh God, that, Lord Jesus, that you just ignite a fire a fire of excitement in us concerning the word that has been spoken over us. Ignite a fire of faith to embrace and to hold on to that word, to refuse to surrender it. God, I pray that, Lord, we come to a greater understanding of your love for Jesus Christ and your love for us and who we are in Jesus. That, Father, we trust you and that, Lord, we rest in your reign and that, God, we know that your word, Lord, will clear the path, open the door for the miracle of destiny, God, to be performed in our lives. Lord, we know that you will sustain us in our weakness. And God, when we are targeted by the religious crowds and Lord, by the unbelievers and the doubters of this world, that truly, Lord, you will protect us and guide us in your strength. And that, Lord, you will use us to advance your kingdom and to lead a multitude to the salvation of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And that, Lord, that we understand that, God, there are people, Lord, that are gathered from the north to the south and from the east to the west that God are just waiting for your word to raise us up that they're going to be sent to come into contact with us because of the word of God that is in our lives for the Lord Jesus for the favor of God that is on our lives and you're going to bring us in. Lord you're going to fulfill the purpose of your destiny help us not to exhaust our minds Lord Jesus that we would ideas and philosophies and opinions. God, help us not to exhaust our our mind on on the if onlys or what could have or what should have or what would have. But Lord Jesus, help us, God, to be active in the present of what you are doing, that Lord, we are ready, spiritually ready for what you are wanting to do right now at this moment. Help us to understand that you are all that we need, that you are everything that we'll ever need. And God, I just pray that, Lord, you just bless the lives of the people in this house and that, Lord, you encourage them this morning with your words and that Lord that they understand that you Lord care about them even when their emotions God aren't feeling it let them know that God there's a purpose of destiny at work in their lives and that God you will finish the good work that you have started in your church in your sons and in your daughters that you'll never leave us that you'll never forsake us but you cannot deny who you are even when we are unfaithful you are faithful God, open our eyes to see God through your eyes. Lord, just open us up to have a renewed mind and to have the mind of Christ concerning these things. Give us the revelation that we need, oh God, to reach our full potential in you. Rebuke the seed eater. Rebuke the seed eater for our sakes. God, extend your mercy and your grace, Lord, in a lighted way that we all can grasp that we all can understand it and that we all can partake of it. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we each and every one be satisfied, God, with the meal and with the meat that you have put into us this morning. And you are watching over it to perform it. 
you are watching over it to fulfill its purpose. God, I thank you for what you have done, for what you are doing, and what we know that you're going to do. Now to him that is able to do far abundantly, exceedingly more than anything I could ever ask, think, or imagine, we lifted this people and ourselves up to you today that your will be done in us as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Give him praise in this house. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Share the love of God with one another in this house.